well-executed endings are difficult to do. They have to tie together the story, resolve any problems or mysteries that have been introduced over the course of the game, and often, as a game developer, you have to leave the door open for another game to follow in the footsteps of the game, the ending of which you're now witnessing. Jack and Daxter, the Precursor Legacy, did a great job of each of these, and today we're going, we are going to make our way to and discuss the ending of Jack 2. We are Reflections on Gaming, and we are excited to pick up where we left off and finish off our review and deep dive of the second game of the Jack and Daxter series. I'm Weston. And I'm Jordan. So, we have, for the past number of weeks, been discussing Jack 2, or Jack Renegade, Hal region. Uh, and we've gone mission by mission, whole game, discussing characters, discussing the plot, discussing the evolution of all of the things that are happening. And today, we're going to finish off the game uh, with the last number of missions and what they all culminate. So last week, we finished by talking about the preamble to your race with, um, oh, what's his name? Errol? Errol. That's right. Can't expect me to keep all these people. <laughs> uh, so he, um, crew asks you to take a dive for him. Jack obviously refuses because A, he's a hothead, and B, he thinks that's lame. So he's not going to do it. Uh, Errol is like, well, it doesn't matter if you won't take a dive because you're going to lose anyway, and I'll prove it to you by beating you in a race from here to the stadium. And then you beat him, and he's like, Psh, that doesn't count. It's like, whatever, man. Screw you, man. Yeah. And he just kind of goes away for a short while, and you have some additional tasks that you have to take care of before you take on the class one race. Uh, the first one that you're going to do is you're going to be destroying some metalhead eggs at the strip mine. This is the strip mine uh, that is related to Vin, really nerdy, brainy guy who's a little too skittish. You go and you talk to him and he says, hey, you may have noticed every time you go to the strip mine for a mission, there's these massive metal head eggs in a pool of dark eco. We should kill them. So uh, this mission is pretty fun. It's a jet board slash platformer level. Um, it's not the most difficult thing, uh, but I do remember the first time I played the game, it gave me quite a bit of trouble. Uh, the only unfortunate thing about this mission in particular is it is so memorable to me that I often forget which mission I'm doing uh, between this and the Destroy the Eco Wells mission that is in the same location and also involves the jet board. And I kill myself repeatedly trying to go somewhere that it is literally impossible to go because they remove pipes until this mission starts. Yeah, if you've been listening to the podcast up to this one, you know which mission we're talking about. And if you don't, why are you listening to this podcast? Go listen to the rest of the parts first. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I really enjoy this mission. It's one of the last few that are focused on the jet board. Um, but it, it's a it's a good one. It puts together some of the skills you've learned, and it requires quite a bit of uh, good mobility and good platforming while on the jet board. Um, not necessarily you have to do some of the platforming on the jet board, but it kind of naturally leads you to just do it. Um, it would plus, be kind of awkward to just hop on and off to do the platforming. Plus the jet board's just awesome. So like, why would you want to jump off of it? Okay. So the another, another mission that's open to you is young Samos or the shadow asks you to go get his life seed from dead town. And the life seed is uh, a seed that, he can tap into and enhances his power quite a bit. It's very in tune with nature and it lets him get more in tune with nature. And you get introduced to a, a just mm, great mm, new mechanic in this level called the mech suit. I don't know if that's actually what it's called, but we're going to call it the mech suit because that's what it is. So you go to dead town and pretty much right from the get go, you'll see this suit on the ground that Jack can get into um, that you can move around. It has a jump, a very a kind of short jump that uses thrusters, but you can also push around blocks. You can pick up blocks and throw them. And the only recourse to actually attack with this thing is a punching mechanism. There's no guns, there's no turrets, there's nothing auto-aiming on things attacking you. You just have to face towards them and punch them. 
Now we're going to talk about this more <laughs> later in a different mission later in this episode. I really do not like the mech suit and I pretty much don't like any of the levels where the mech suit is necessary to be used because I feel like the levels in which the mech use is utilized could have easily been done without the mech suit and the mech suit does very little to actually enhance them. For instance, in this level, you have to go through, you have to punch a bunch of metalheads, and if you don't punch them, they'll jump on you. And the mech suit has an odd health bar at the top where you don't exactly know the units. It's just kind of a slider. And as you take damage, it just slides more and more down. So you don't, you know, from the very get-go, you don't know how much damage you can take. There's really no indication of how much damage you can take from the get-go. It's only once you've started taking damage that you're like, oh crap, this thing has very little durability. I'm going to die real fast in it. Um, so that's one thing, but also it's just really hard to hit things. At least for me, it's very hard to hit things because you have to turn the mech suit, it's tank controls, uh, and you have to be facing a metalhead. And if it jumps on you and starts attacking you, there's nothing you can do. You just have to keep punching until it gets knocked off and then punch it again. Additionally, the only reason you need to use the mech suit is because near the end of the level, well, well, throughout the level, there are blocks that you need to push into position to jump onto so that you can get to higher places where Jack himself could not jump. Or near the end of the level, you have to pick up blocks to chuck at bridges to knock them down for you to cross. All of these things you didn't need to do. Like the developers, I can see what they were going for. They did it to add some variety to the gameplay, to add a new mechanic and to allow you access to places that you couldn't reach before. But as we've seen throughout this whole game, there are other ways you can do that. You know, the beach level had the, the tank, the tanker blocking you from progressing until Sig came and blew it up. It also had certain pipes or certain valves that were moving platforms that weren't moving earlier in the game because they wanted to keep you from getting to later areas until later in the game when those areas made sense to get to. Uh, anyway, I, I've taken you. Yeah, let, let me know how you feel about this. I think it's very telling that this particular mechanic does not appear in any further Jack and Daxter game. The next installment of Jack and Daxter, Jack 3, this mech does not make a reappearance. And it's because it is, in the end, just a bad mechanic. Um, it's difficult as a game developer to create mechanics that ensure a fun experience for players. Because as a game de designer and a, a, as a developer, you have to walk a thin line between creating something that is challenging yet fun and the two sides of that. One where there is no challenge and therefore the fun doesn't really come around because really you can do anything you want. Uh, and win, and that doesn't make for a terribly exciting experience. Or you go on the other side where it's so difficult, it's so obnoxious to handle that it's just not fun. And rather than being difficult, it is tedious. And unfortunately, this particular mech suit um, way fell off that thin line into just obnoxious terror. Uh, and really one of the reasons that it is so egregious and so memorable in how annoying it is to use is specifically because Jack and Daxter as a game series so often affords you such a wide array of movement options and all of them feel perfect. It feels really nice to walk around, to run around, to roll, to jump, to attack. And then this mech suddenly turns you into a giant character that doesn't do anything. Uh, I imagine they probably wanted you to feel very powerful in this suit because you do a lot more damage. But between the very linear animations, um, which is a whole thing that we can discuss later on uh, if we talk about animation. Um, but the animations just don't flow well. They definitely don't flow well in regards with what the rest of the game is doing. It's very difficult to control just period. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's not a great experience. However, this mission is not all Doom England because it starts, and it's really fun, with the lore behind it. Because in the first game, both Jack and Daxter are looked down 
um, on by Samos. He doesn't exactly treat either of them particularly well, but he definitely dunks on Daxter more than Jack. Even once they save the world together, Samos is still not exactly a nice person to Daxter. Well, Samos is here with his younger self, and he sends you on this mission to get this life seed, and Jack and Daxter are like, wait a second. You're telling me that the reason you have the powers that you have, that you are this fantastic sage, is because we went and got you your stupid magic seed, and all of these years you've been making me scrub your floors with my toothbrush? Like, what? what is this? And Samos is like, yeah, whatever, I still don't like you. So <laughs> it's, it's just, it's really funny because it, it gives the whole world kind of more of an interconnected feeling of like, yeah, the, uh, the events that are going on right now really are going to affect the past uh, and what happens in young Samos's future. Uh, but at the same time, these characters are who they are, and Samus is kind of a crotchy old man. He's not gonna—he's <laughs> he's not gonna suddenly become nice because he's like, "Oh, you're right, Daxter. Right after all these years of being mean to you and belittling you and looking down on you, you've changed my mind because I remember that it's all your fault that I am who I am. I am so sorry that you're so dang ugly. Now get back to work. <laughs> yeah. So. You have to go through this mission. You climb up to uh, the house that you got to in a previous mission, which uh, also adds to the whole idea of, like, why did we have to do this? Like, we already got there a different way. Why did we have to do it this way this time? Uh, but you get up there, you get the seed, and you return it to Samos, and you have a new Fallout mission that comes from it. Uh, and this mission reinforces the idea that it is Jack and Daxter's fault that Samos has the powers he has because he needs to take this seed into Haven Forest and commune with the forest to gain powers. But while he's there, he needs Jack and Daxter to protect him. Uh, and this mission is interesting. It's similar to a previous mission where you got the uh, Mar emblem and you had to kill a whole bunch of guards. Uh, however, in this one, rather than it being a race to the end, um, it is a duration challenge. You have to survive for a certain amount of time. Uh, it is quite a bit easier, but I can't say it's any more fun. You just kind of go back and forth between two locations and kill enemies. And every now and again, you have to deal with a couple of flying enemies. Um, usually, you're not going to die, but it's very tedious. You're just going to be shooting enemies again and again and again. And when you die, you have to start all over again. Uh, and it takes probably three or four minutes it's pretty of long. doing this. I'm, I'm sure it's not quite that long, but it feels very long. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's like at this point, you've faced challenges harder than this and you face challenges a lot more fun than this. So it's just kind of like a rehash. It's like, OK, yep, it's just combat, just shooting these guards, going back and forth. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's nothing special, but. After you finish that, you know, you finish protecting Samos in Haven Forest. He's now communed with the Life Seed and has his ultra green sage powers. Uh, you have a little mission from Bruder that you can go do, which is a pretty much exact copycat of of uh, the, the mission that you've already done, where you drive around, you shoot down prison caravans and you take the lurkers, uh, you, you rescue lurkers on behalf of Bruder and you take them uh, to escape out of the city. Um the only difference in this one is um, some of the carriages are yellow instead of red, so more difficult enemies, and you generally have to fly farther um, to save them. Uh, but all in all, it's a it's a pretty bog standard mission. There's nothing super memorable about it. It's not bad, not super fun, uh, but it is it's a fine mission. Yeah, uh, the last mission that you have to do before you unlock the final string of you know, you, you basically only have one mission and it's just a straight shot. Um, this mission is to destroy the drill platform tower, which once again relies on the, the mech mechanic. Uh, in my opinion, this is like by far the, the I mean, there's only three mech missions in the whole game, but this is the best one of the three, I think. And the reason for that is because it is much more platformer based, platforming based rather than combat based, uh, which the other two are, are, are a little more heavy on combat. So on this one, you go back to the drill platform tower that you 
destroyed Metalhead eggs at a long time ago. It's one of the first places Vin... I think it is the first place that Vin sends you through the portal. And waiting there is a mech suit that you can get in. You bust your way through a door and you've got some platforming to do. Uh, you have to jump over lasers. You have to jump over fire pit or fire, you know, platforms. You have to mm, you have to do a little bit of puzzle solving, if you can call it that, or where you have to leave the mech on a plat on an elevator and then jump out and, and you make your way around to hit the switch to make the elevator go up to use it. Um, also, that you can get to the end of the level and just destroy a bunch of computer equipment that will cause the drill platform tower to uh, violently explode. I think it's really interesting. I, I was playing through these missions in our latest playthrough, and I thought to myself, OSHA would not be happy with this work environment. OSHA, you know, inspector would go in there and be like, why are all, why do you not have any handrails? And why are your walking platforms on fire or, you every know, 15 seconds? Why are there lasers sweeping back and forth across the floor? Like, always <laughs> this level in particular just like most of the levels i'm sure they're very game design you know they don't make a ton of sense but they're fun to play through but these levels in particular i always think to myself when i'm playing them who is using these locations like there's a teleporter right here so obviously this is where you're supposed to start but then it's like Except unless I'm destroying things, I literally cannot make progress in this level. And they're literally shooting flame on all the platforms that I can use. And even worse, some of these platforms lead to other platforms that you have to shoot at to make them rise up. So it's obvious that these platforms are meant for you to utilize. But it's like, who designed this place to have the platforms be on fire? The Baron is just really sadistic. <laughs> The Baron is not a good person, and I mean, what are the chances that the Baron allows OSHA to exist? Probably none. Mm -hmm. He is um, OSHA. <laughs> uh, but this is a relatively good mission, considering that it uses the mech suit. Uh, most of that is, like Weston said, uh, because it's mostly platforming rather than combat. There's a little bit of combat at the end. You have to kill a couple of metalheads, then you destroy a bunch of computers, then it's a race to the finish. Now, the nice thing is that the race to the finish um, is a checkpoint, so you don't have to do the whole mission again if you fail. The bad thing is, in all likelihood, you'll think the first time you play that you're supposed to continue using the mech, uh, and you will die if you use the mech. There is no way that you can succeed in this mission using the mech to get back. Even even outside of the mech, it's a pretty tight time limit. Yes, this is they're starting to ramp up the difficulty, and that's saying a bit, considering how difficult this game has been. But they're starting to kind of cut down on how much slack they're giving you. Um, so if you are fairly proficient at moving and you don't make too many mistakes, you can make it to the end, and, and there's this cool exploding um, cutscene where everything blows up and cool guys don't look at explosions. Um, but all in all, it's a it's a fairly decent um, mission, though it doesn't really play in much into the story of like, I'm sure that there's a reason to destroy this tower and for, you know, some reason, but I don't remember what it is. So it couldn't have been that important. Yeah. Uh, so after this, like I said, we are in the home stretch and we've got some really solid missions and literally my least favorite mission in the entire game. Okay, second least favorite. Anywho, the next one that you have to do is you have to win the class one race at the stadium, which again, well, if you listened to our to the last podcast, you know my opinion that this race, the class one race, the final race, is straight up the easiest race. It has the easiest super long shortcut, like in any of the races, and well, there's more like super short shortcut that cuts off a fairly significant portion. Right, you right, right. You don't want long shortcuts. That's <laughs> right. that's an oxymoron. No, it 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 allows you to skip a significant portion of the map, and there's you know not very much danger associated with with taking said shortcut. Um, but it is interesting because when you get through this race, uh, you'll have an interesting. Well, at the beginning of the race, actually, the Baron comes down. And he's like, whoever wins this. Gets, I think, what, like a barrel, month. 
a month. A month's worth of eco. Of eco, and yeah. It's like this huge. Just this huge. Tons and tons yeah, of eco barrels. Barrels. It's like, and, what are you using <laughs> eco for? Do then, you bathe in it? And he's like, a month's worth of eco. And also a short tour of my palace. And so, you know, obviously. Jack doesn't care about the eco, but the tour of the palace sounds like a pretty sick deal. It's a good thing he doesn't care about that eco, because once you win the race, the Baron descends and he's like, all right, who is it that won? And then he sees Jack and he's like, you? Why is it always you? And he's like, okay, Crimson Guard, shoot this guy. I just want this over with. Luckily for Jack, although I'm sure he would have gotten out anyway, Errol is uh, getting real pissy at the fact that he keeps losing to Jack. So he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to ram into him and just kill him. Well, when he tries to ram into Jack, Jack just jumps out of the way and Errol goes headlong into these eco barrels and literally blows himself up. Luckily, Jack already got the pass that he needed to get into the Baron's palace. So he runs away. And the next thing that you're going to do is, of course, explore the palace. However, when you finish this mission, you actually start in an alerted status. So you have to run away from the Crimson Guard and remove your kind of wanted status before you can start the next mission. And I just like it whenever they kind of have things flowing correctly in video games. I do like how their their attention spans are are, are pretty short. <laughs> it is incredibly short, but at the very least, they they had the intent of like, yes, they're actually chasing after you. You didn't lose them in the corridor, which is a straight line <laughs> from the Baron to where you are now. Yeah. So after that, you now have uh, a pass to get into the palace for a tour. So you can go straight to the front door of the palace, this big hulking door that you've been seeing this whole time, and it'll finally open up for you. Uh, and this mission is, yet again, mostly a platforming. I mean, it's a, it's a platforming combat mission with a little bit of jetboard thrown in there um this mission usually isn't that bad but man did we suck at it when we played it yeah. most recently i died like four times each on this one and the the main difficulty is that when you fail uh you have to start the entire mission over there's a number of crimson guards that you have to take out and these are the advanced yellow guards in a lot of locations there's a couple of turrets you can't destroy that you just avoid you have to destroy a glass window and then grind on the ledge that the window used to occupy to get to the section. There's a couple of other grind parts. Um, really, this level isn't all that hard, and it's pretty fun to play through. The only real issue is that at any point, if you make a slight mistake um, to platforming, you will die, and you'll have to do the entire thing over again. And there's lots and lots of things that can very easily just make you fall off in fact one time i was grinding from one side of the level to the next and for some reason i just fell off of the grind rail and i died and you have to start all over so that sucked but all in all it's a relatively good mission yeah uh what he said <laughs> that was pretty much it um after you what's the fallout of this mission what i don't remember there is something that happens that leads you, you... So you you go and you get to the throne room hoping to take on the Baron when he's kind of doesn't have his massive mech suit and stuff. But who happens to be there is Ashlyn. And she says, hey, um, you need to go to this weapons lab. Kor is a weapons dealer, and he has been working with my father to create a bomb. Crew. Who did I say? Or Oh, yeah. It's all right. Crew, Core, Kent. They all have no, K names. Yeah, all right. What is this? Yeah, it's and at this point, Ashlyn Dis is like... D disclaimer, there's no Kent in the game. I was making a joke. <laughs> uh, at this point, Ashlyn, you know... At this point, you're starting to see, like, okay, something else is going on. Like, something really big is, is going on here. So she points you in the right direction to get the... To, get, to go to the weapons lab. Um, and you have to go through in the weapons lab yet again is a platforming combat mission. This one is really interesting because instead of Crimson Guards, you do have to fight some Crimson Guards. But in addition to those, there are also Crimson Guard robots, which act very much like droidkas from 
uh, Star Wars, if you're familiar with those. Um, well, they, they, they can morph into balls, they roll around, and then they turn into big old mechs that you have to fight. Yeah, they can be pretty annoying. They'll roll into you and, and do quite a, you know, do normal damage, but they're very, they're very, very rolly. Um, but you also have a little bit of more fun platforming. Uh, there are a lot of different conveyor belts in the factory that you have to run up. And there are switches that will change the direction the conveyor belt is going that you need to hit. Um, because if you try to <laughs> if you try to make certain jumps without the extra momentum of the conveyor belt going in the same direction as the jump, you'll you'll die. Um, so that's just kind of a neat little thing they threw into this one. It makes, you know, diegetic sense that, yeah, of course, you know, most conveyor belts can run in run in both directions, depending on what you're manufacturing and to make them a little more um versatile in in factory settings so i enjoy this mission i think it's it's a nice change of pace as far as like they introduce some new mechanics for platforming they introduce some new enemies so it's pretty fun the only issue i have with this mission is every now and again you'll be locked into an arena where these robots will drop down these chutes and start rolling all around they generally don't hone in on you um, they just kind of ricochet all around, but they're very likely to hit you anyway. The issue is that the only way to really win is to jump in the air, do a spin kick, and then fire your gun. This will, this is like the win move. In most areas, it's really effective, but it's literally the only thing you can and should do in these arenas if you want to succeed. And that's just a little obnoxious. It's like, why why is it that to win i just have to do this one thing over and over and over again instead of being able to utilize a whole bunch of the abilities that i've gotten up not a huge issue just a slight one uh especially if you don't know that that is the move you kind of have to do you can end up failing quite a number of times and run out of ammo uh and trying to fight them without your guns is not a realistic prospect but once you get out of this area, you find Crew, and Crew wants to have you look the other way and just get out of his face, so he actually gives you a gun upgrade. And this gun upgrade improves the power of every single weapon you have. And that's sweet, because right after that, Jack is like, hey, that's cool, but we want the Heart of Mar that you're building into the bomb. And Crew's like, well, you can't have it. And Jack's like, well, I'm going to take it from you. And Crew's like, from my cold, dead hands you are. You got that right. Uh, and so, finally, uh, if you haven't seen it coming, you get to fight Crew, and you get to kill this fat, nasty to work. All right. Uh, yeah, this is a pretty fun boss fight. Um, it goes in stages, but every stage is, is the exact same. It's just... The same thing over and over and over. It just becomes slightly more difficult each time. Right. So Crew will initially create um, electric uh, holograms of himself. Flubbers. Yeah. And and they'll chase you around. And you have to take him out. Um, there's a lot of them. They they only take one shot each. But there are so many and they're all converging on you that even though they only do one damage each, you are, you know, it, it is not easy. This is not an easy fight. Both of us died a number of times doing this on stream um, just because you can get pretty overwhelmed and especially if you start running out of shotgun ammo and running out of peacemaker ammo but after each time he sends all these copies as soon as you destroy them all he'll come in and shoot at you kind of sporadically and you just have to take him down by a you know by a bar of health and you have to do that three times yeah once you kill him he's like ha I'm dead but you're too late and the bomb goes off to um to wherever the Baron is at. And Jack is like, I am really pissed right now because <laughs> you find out that uh, this heart of Mar has so much energy in it that rather than blowing up the metalhead uh, nest, it will probably wipe out the entire universe, which is a little bit ridiculous when you think about it. Um, but it's what they're doing. And the other thing that's really ridiculous is apparently... There is this giant, ancient, like, railgun weapon pointed straight at the metalhead nest that can use the Heart of Mar, and no one thinks to use it. Or at least the Baron doesn't. He's like, should I put this into a gun that will guarantee I blow up the nest? 
Or should I put it in a bomb where everyone's telling me I could blow things up? Hmm. Bomb it is. Bomb it is. Funnily enough, uh, you actually finished this fight, and if I'm not mistaken, Crew says, ah, yeah, I don't actually have it. And like, what do you mean you don't have it? And he's like, yeah, it's actually uh, back at the hip hog. No, no, no. He says, you'll never find it because it's hidden at the hip hog saloon. Right. And where did he hide it? Oh, man. But this isn't this isn't <laughs> the bomb. This is a mechanism for finding and detonating the bomb. Right, 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 right. So you head back to the hip hog saloon and uh, minigame time because you have to play. You have whack-a-mole. to whack-a-mole. Yeah, whack-a-mole. Um, and the mechanics of this whack-a-mole are there are eight different holes that metalheads will pop out of and they're key binded to the D-pad and the face buttons, face buttons on the controller. Um, and he plays Daxter, who has wielding a mallet that's the size of himself. And you have to hit these metalheads, and they come up in three varieties. There's a normal metalhead that's worth one point. There's special golden metalheads that are worth, like, five, mm. yeah, ten. And there are red metalheads that are not worth any points, but if you hit too many of them, I think if you hit ten of them, you automatically lose, and you have to try again. You fail. So you have to get to a certain number. You just have to get a certain score, and the thing will pop out of it kind of a silly concept to think of crew hiding it in this thing and where anybody could literally just at any moment just play this game and be like what the heck just came out of this thing luckily for crew between the way he looks and smells and the hip hog saloon in general no one ever goes there 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 are no patrons of this location it's a front for his money laundering so he is pretty safe and fair any, enough no one actually coming in and beating this <laughs> Personally, I really like this particular mission. This minigame is a lot of fun for me, but uh, I do think that there's a number of people that have difficulties with it. Definitely, if you're someone who's relatively new to gaming and you have to think about where the buttons are, oh man, you're screwed. This is, you have to know where those things are instantaneously and you have to be able to hit them correctly. But yeah. if you can do that, it's a lot of fun. All right. Okay, so that's it for that one, and now we're getting into this one. Oh, good we're gracious. entering the end game now. All right. Okay. So, uh, Tess tells you, well, yes, Tess. Hey, where's Sig? And she's like, uh, yeah, he went to the underport, and nobody's seen him for a while. So you should probably go do something about that. And you're like, okay, sure, I know what that is. Just automatically, whatever. It turns out that you actually have to go to one of the towers on these. Uh, out in the kind of lake area where you've been doing a lot of missions, there are these towers that you've always seen but never were able to go into, and finally you can go into them and go down into the kind of lake bed of this area. Oh, but Jack can't breathe underwater, so what does he need? What does he need? A freaking mech suit. That's what he needs. But what does this mech suit not come equipped with? O2 tanks, I guess, because it's just constantly filling up with water or something. Oh, man. I don't like this mission at all. You have to get into the mech suit. You have to make your way from... You just have to find Sig, and you have to go through multiple different water areas. You have to do a little bit of puzzle solving. You have to fight the most annoying metalheads in existence. They are octopus squid-style metalheads that will latch onto you and zap you, and if you get hit, I think three times. I'm not even sure it's three times. Might be twice. Yeah, you're dead. It's over. Uh, there's hardly any checkpoints, and every time you go into water, you have probably 30 seconds before it, your O2 meter runs out. And so you constantly have to be searching for the... Uh, These pillars of light that the, also have just oxygen? oxygenated stuff you know it's a game it's whatever yeah you have to find these light pillars and the whole time the camera is zoomed so close to the mech that you only have like 30 percent visibility compared to normal not to mention the water effect making everything super dark and muddy and really difficult to see i think to be concise let's just talk about why this is a bad mission probably the worst mission first of all it involves the mech suit. We've already discussed why the mech suit is not fun and just poorly implemented. Second of all, it is underwater, and most every game has an issue with underwater levels being unfun. The reason being 
it tends to be a difficulty spike and it tends to be something that slows down your movement. Both of these things are true in this mission. Third, it introduces new enemies that you really don't have any recourse against. Sometimes you'll be lucky and you'll know to, when to punch at them uh, and you'll be able to take them out. But really, it comes down to luck whether you hit them uh, or whether they latch onto you. Um, third of all, included with all of this stuff, you have to deal with navigating a relatively difficult to see level where you have to avoid these enemies that can easily kill you. You have to find the pillar of light that is going to keep you alive. And you have to avoid mines that are attached all throughout the bottom of this location. You also have to do this through several rooms. You have to do some very light puzzle solving, but it's easy to fall off the platform if you have solved it. Uh, and you have to, this whole mission probably takes about two minutes. If at any point you die, you have to do the whole thing over. And not just do you have to do the whole thing over, they restart you before you enter the mech suit. So you have to go through the animation of getting into the mech suit and the animation of the room you're in filling with water before you can even go and start the level again. Oh, okay. And also, the very last portion of the level, you walk out into a room that is a bottomless pit with a very narrow, well, with a relatively narrow bridge connecting one side to the other. It is a pathway that you cannot turn on, can't really do anything other than walk forward. Above this bridge are two of the octo well, squid metalheads. You cannot attack them. Both Jordan and I made this mistake. We tried to punch them and immediately fell off this bridge because they're coming at you from an angle. So you essentially have to just take the damage, which means you have to... If you get into that room having already taken damage and not being able to handle another hit, you're pretty much screwed. You have to be insanely lucky to either get past them without them latching onto you or punch them without falling off this bridge. And that is mind-bogglingly bad game design <laughs> to, to just put players in that just like utterly frustrating situation of not being able to do the thing that the game has been training you to do for the last in however long you've been playing the game, the last 10, 12 hours that you've been playing this game. And to be clear, when you punch in this suit, you automatically aim towards the closest enemy. So it's not like we were just really stupid and decided to punch and move ourselves off of the platform. No, you punch and you immediately turn to one of these squids and you just launch yourself off of the bridge. It's a bad mission. It's poorly designed. It's not poorly implemented because everything works fine. It's just not fun. Very, very not fun. And unfortunately, the next mission right afterwards doesn't fare particularly better. Um, once you get through this and you get out of the mech suit, you find Sig. He is fighting off. Um, actually, no. He just you just find him and he's like, "Hey, what the heck are you guys doing down down here?" And they're like, "Um, looking for you. What are you doing down here?" Uh, long story short, he's down here doing something for crew, and he's like, "I'll tell you about it later." But for right now, just help me get out of here. This place is swarming with metalheads. So you go through, uh, there's some very light platforming, and there's some box puzzles. The most difficult part of the box puzzles is the first one, you have to um, jump off of an edge or shoot the box with a gun to get it started. Uh, it might be difficult to know how to solve, but I have been solving these for so long, I don't even think about it anymore. Um, the, the puzzle design in of itself is relatively easy, the only thing that makes it difficult is once you hit a box a single time, they start a countdown to where they will explode. If you're too close to them, you take damage. Uh, and of course, if they explode, a new one has to spawn and you have to start the whole thing over again. It's really not all that difficult if you plan in advance, but not everyone is going to do that. And uh, those guys are going to have a bad day. After you get past, uh, I think, two of these box puzzles, you get to a specific room and a giant freaking centipede metalhead busts out of the wall and starts chasing you. And you have another um, Crash Bandicoot slash, you know, 
that mission in the very beginning of the game where that tank is is chasing you you have another one of those except the the centipede metalhead isn't shooting anything at you you just have to be faster than it and you have to jump across a lot of gaps it falls into the, the same pitfall where it can be very difficult to judge and to judge your jumps to gauge where you're gonna land uh just because the perspective is really weird um but it's not that hard you know at this point you're probably pretty used to all the mechanics and and understand how far you're gonna go with all these jumps so it probably won't trip you up too much it's just kind of odd this mission does have one other issue which isn't necessarily going to affect everyone but when it does affect you it's super annoying and that is uh during this segment there are some platforms that will rotate so you have to shoot them well sig is going ahead of you kind of showing you where you need to go and he will shoot them, jump on them, and then keep going. If you are fast enough, you can make a jump when these platforms are already flipped. But you will never be fast enough to actually land on them when they are flipped. So, if they are flipped over when you reach them, you have to stop, wait for them to flip, shoot them, and then you can jump on them. Uh, that shouldn't really be a thing that you ever have to deal with. It's really obnoxious to be like, oh, it's flipped. I can jump on it because he handled it. And then, you know, you shouldn't be punished for doing things proficiently. And that's what that mechanic does. Um, you have to run away from the centipede twice in between each time you run away. There's some more block puzzles. Uh, luckily, there's a checkpoint right before each time you run away and each time you've finished running away from the centipede. Um, so it's not a huge deal. Uh, at the end of the second chase segment, you're done with this mission and you get a cool, um, what's it, cutscene where you, Jack and Daxter and Sig are like, yeah, we got away from it. This is so cool. But then out of nowhere, the centipede comes crashing from through the roof right on Sig and destroys the, the bridge. And it's like, oh no, Sig is dead. Or is he? Bum, bum, bum. That sucks. No, no, you're pretty sure he's dead. <laughs> you're pretty sure he's dead at this it's point. It's like, I well, mean... let's see. He he essentially got eaten slash crushed by this giant centipede, and he fell into a bottomless pit. What are the chances that he survived that? Not looking good. Not, yeah, not mm, the, the odds are not in your favor. No, but we will come back to that. So after that, um, now things are starting to ramp up. You go, you get back to the surface, you get a call from Kira, and she says, hey, the time machine that I've been working on uh, is, uh, is, is ready, and so we're going to be able to um, take my dad when he was younger and, um, back to the present and, and deal with all this stuff. But we need your help moving it uh, onto this platform that Bruder has prepared with these hot air balloons. Um, protect it from metalheads. This mission uh, is pretty straightforward. It's just you kind of it's kind of like an escort mission, but a lot shorter and easier. You generally don't have to worry about um, the two sages moving this machine from one side to the other. The main issue is that if they get hit, it just delays how quickly they are able to actually get it from one side to the other. Um, I remember this giving me a lot of trouble when I was younger. And I think now is a good time to actually talk about um, the rest of the dark eco powers that you can unlock throughout the game. So throughout the game, you will be fighting metalheads and hopefully collecting the metalhead skull gems that pop out of them when they die. Every time you get 200 of these, you can unlock a new power from the disembodied head slash voice of the precursors. Uh, the first one you get for 100 uh, is kind of free. It just lets you do the Dark Bomb. The next one... Oh, what's it called? Dark Blast. Dark Blast. Uh, Dark Blast is essentially the same thing, except instead of jumping up and pressing square to activate it, you... Um, press square and press then jump. Press square and then jump, <laughs> and you will spin in the air and send out electricity like a Sith Lord, uh, killing everything around you. I don't actually know like what the difference is between them. Uh, they, as far as I know, they they work just about the same way. The next thing you get is once you're in Dark Jack, you can press. Uh, oh no, 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 that's the last one. The next one you get 
actually makes Jack invincible when he is in his dark Jack mode. Just as a passive effect, you're just now invincible. Yeah, you're just you, people can't hurt you, uh, which is super useful. Uh, I actually was grinding for Metalhead Skull Gems the first time I played the game, unlocked that, and then I could get past this level because I had been beating my head against it for half an hour and just couldn't do it. Uh, and my uh, my willingness to continue beating my head against it had come to an pass. The last thing that you can unlock, I think, for just an additional 100, is now you can turn Jack into Giant Dark Jack. Just hit the R2 button, or L2 button again, once you're in Dark Jack, and you just become, like, five times as large. Uh, it looks really weird. It's not useful for anything. Uh, and it's kind of like if Big Head Mode, instead of being Big Head Mode, was just Big Body Mode. The likelihood that you'll actually unlock this over the course of the game is also pretty low. Like, I didn't even know this existed before this playthrough because I never got enough Metalhead Gems to, to unlock it just of going through the game. So, yeah. And I mean, you can if you're grinding for it, but it is a an odd thing to get. In any case, um, it'll be around here where you'll be able to unlock Invincible Dark Jack, and that can help you with this mission. But if you're a little bit more proficient at gaming, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. You've got, you know, all your abilities, all your weapons. You've got an upgraded weapon damage. Um, you have been playing the game for hours now, and so you should be pretty proficient with using all these abilities uh and so you just kind of take out the enemies and get ahead on your way right next up you'll actually get a call from vin talking about how he is he has found where he thinks the bomb is supposed to be right and he's kind of whispering and he's like you know i don't want to get caught and then near the end of the call he's like oh crap <laughs> and and basically you know you're under the impression oh no they they found him um, and, and hangs up. So the next thing you're doing is you're going to a construction site that where Vin is calling from to A, find the bomb, hopefully find the Baron and stop the Baron, and save Vin. Yeah, you don't save Vin. He dies. Yeah, no, doesn't go well. But on the bright side, so does the Baron. Woohoo! Um, but so not by your hand. You actually discover now that Kor, this old man who has been... Um, taking care of this little kid is actually the metalhead leader. And now that the defenses of the city have fallen, he can enter into his ultimate form. And so he turns into the metalhead leader form uh, and kills the Baron and all of his men and destroys the bomb so that it can't be used against him and his nest. And he's like, I won. You guys are screwed. And this, when he turns into the form, you're like, oh, snap. That's that head that popped out of the portal in the very opening cutscene of the game. And you will instantly recognize you're like, oh, 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 oh no. no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, Baron is kind of bleeding out. Jack goes to him and is not like, ha ha, this is what you get. Uh, he goes and he's like, you know, what are, what are your last words? And the Baron is like, rule of thumb, whenever you build a bomb build two bombs and he presses a button and the exact same bomb pops up except this one has the um giant precursor gem in it uh and so you actually pop the gem out and you're like all right now we can take on the metalhead nest without killing everything in existence yeah so bam end game all right so you go and you have to break you have to basically break into the nest, and so you kind of go out into what can only be described as basically, Wasteland. yeah, wasteland. It's very dark. It's like dark sand, dark rocks. It basically looks like a place that has been burned to the ground and is just covered in ash and ninja metalheads. If you have ever played uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, the effect that happens when you go to Hyrule Town and Hyrule Castle as an adult Everything gets super dark, and it's like it's e it's cloaked in eternal darkness and all that stuff. That is very much what it feels like in its final levels. Um, so you're going to be in this wasteland. You're going to meet a bunch of metalheads that you really haven't encountered before. There's the scorpion styles that are everywhere. There's these kind of ninja ones that essentially they pop out of the ground, roll around, jump all over the place, uh, and essentially just have to take them out uh, with your gun before they hit you. You'll eventually run into some behemoth 
style metalheads that I think you're supposed to be able to kill, but we couldn't do it. Uh, really, they're not very difficult to handle. You just can't get too close to them or they will electrocute you. You keep going through this and you will eventually make it to this giant platform. You put the metalhead or the uh, precursor gem in there, turn on the power, and it blasts a massive hole in the side of the metalhead nest. Yeah, this thing is just a massive railgun that uses the precursor stone as its energy source to to use its railgun power. It is it is incredibly large. <laughs> yeah, you have to wonder why more people didn't think we should use that. Or if you're a metalhead, you have to wonder why they didn't think we should destroy that thing that is giant, massive and pointed at our nest. <laughs> particularly. OK, I realize this is like a nitpick, but particularly the Baron after he gets the precursor stone. Why are you wasting time and spending more money on making a bomb instead of just sending in like 5,000 Crimson Guard? Like surely one of them would be able to get this gun and pull the trigger. Um, I think it makes sense because we have seen that the Baron is not a smart man. It's yeah, that's the fair. Baron is not a smart guy. No, he's not. <laughs> There's some analogies that can be made between his leadership and some current leadership. <laughs> in any case, <laughs> in any case, I guess fair more fairly. This gun doesn't actually destroy the nest, and it doesn't destroy the metalhead leader. All it does is make an entryway and and piss off some metalheads. <laughs> yeah, after you activate it, you have to go through the next half of this level. It's more of the same. Uh, it's not particularly difficult, though. I think before and after this, you actually do encounter some giant metalhead spiders. Oh, which yeah. Which are pretty freaky. Yep. But, I mean, unless you're an arachnophobe, you take them out just like any other metalhead finally get into the nest you get this cool looking area and then you drop down into the center of the nest and you have the culmination of all your efforts the final showdown yeah uh this boss is very difficult it took us a number of tries it moves like everything else in three phases um we have talked about a little earlier how there are some bosses in the game where you have to uh, specifically the baron you have to wait. You have to out. You know. You don't have to outmaneuver certain things. You have to wait until certain criteria are met until you can hurt the boss during their boss battles. The final boss in this game, the Metalhead Leader, is not that way at all. You can always hit him and do damage. There is not a single time during this battle where you cannot hit him and do damage. The problem you run into is that he's also constantly throwing other Metalheads at you. So. It's generally and his own attacks and his own attacks. So it's generally in your best interest to be constantly moving and taking out these smaller metal heads so that you have a little bit of leeway while he's calling in or or, you know, birthing new metal heads. He's oh, the metal yeah. head leader and the eggs do actually come out of his back. So the interesting way to re this boss is interesting because the first phase is he is strung up in the center of the moon of the room like nutrient things going into him. Uh, and what he does is he fires off eggs and they hatch into the scorpion style metal heads. And then every so often he will fire this forehead laser at you. Once you do enough damage for him to kind of fall, he becomes more aggressive and starts firing lasers at you more often. Uh, this second phase is probably a little bit easier because there's fewer metal heads and you have more leeway. But if you don't understand how to dodge his projectiles, you're screwed. The third and final phase, he is no longer hanging in the air. He has fallen down and now he's chasing you. Uh, and this one is interesting because you essentially just have to run away from him at fast enough so that you have enough room to shoot at him. And he has some new attacks. One, he'll lay down and send out some form of a shockwave mm -hmm. uh, that you just have to jump over. He'll continue doing his uh, forehead lasers. And if you get close enough, he'll just attack you with his claws. Um, once you get to this stage, you really have to be on top of things because you're likely to not be at top health and any little thing is likely to combo you into death. You also, it's very difficult... I actually ran into this when I died. I was almost I had almost beaten him and it was really annoying. You can't really see when he's going to attack because he's constantly if you're going fast enough like you should be, 
he's not going to be in range of your camera and especially his face isn't going to be in range of the camera. So when he's shooting these this this trio of tracking shots at you six, um, one after the other, it can be quite difficult to to anticipate that and be able to to react fast enough to not get hit on that second or third shot as he's tracking where you're going. Yeah, the real issue is that you can't really look at him um, because you can't be using um, the uh, analog stick to to keep your camera straight because it's just going to screw you off 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 track. But that just means that you have to be really good with audio cue and very subtle visual cue to be able to survive. All in all, the, the final boss isn't bad, and it should be relatively difficult because this is the culmination of your efforts, but I do think that they should have done something with the camera uh, to help out players that don't necessarily have the same capabilities. Because everyone should be able to enjoy video games. That's just... Certain people are not going to be able to fight this boss because it is just impossible if you don't have high visual and audio, audio acuity. Yeah. I will say, uh, we haven't talked about Jack 3 yet, but I'm just going to throw this out here now. I think that Metalcore is the best boss in, in all of the games. Um, not gameplay-wise, necessarily. I, I'd say Gaul and Maya is actually my favorite one, gameplay-wise. But story-wise, Metalcore is the one who is the most built up and makes the most sense as a final boss. The Baron has been kind of... You get to fight him as a boss, you know, a couple of times. Yeah, but he has the problem of, I beat him, and then he's like, ah, I win anyway. And it's like, I hate it when games do that. Right. And and frankly, he's been kind of, you know, by the end of the game, you realize he's basically been playing as a pawn for Metalhead Core uh, basically this entire time. And he really hasn't been the big bad behind everything. He wasn't a good dude. He was a bad guy, but he wasn't the baddest guy. And you got to meet Kor early in the game. In fact, he was the first person in the entire game you interacted with. And he has showed up periodically and kind of revealed his his true character bit by bit by bit as you go through. And I just think that's better than in the first game, Gaul and Maya weren't even introduced until the final hub area. Not really. And you definitely didn't know they were going to be the bad guys until the last area. And in the third game... Pretty much the same thing happens just with a different character where you see them like one time and then you get to the end and it really doesn't make that much sense that they're the big bad anyway. And they're just kind of thrown in there because you need a solid character, I guess, to be the big bad instead of this. I mean, we'll talk about it when when we get there. But I think story wise, Core had the best build up and the best uh, kind of arc and the best culmination of everything that you've learned over the course of the game uh, out of the Jack series. Plus, after you kill him, he blows up and you get to hold on to his head as a trophy. <laughs> True. Fantastic. It actually gets hung up in the Hip Hog Saloon for all to see for the rest of the games. <laughs> yeah, so actually what happens is you beat Kor, he starts freaking out, he finds that the uh, time portal that you guys use to get uh, to the future in the first place has opened up again, and he tries to jump through, but before he can manage it, he explodes because he's just been hurt too much and his head flies and lands on your mantle. You learn that the little kid with the green hair that you've been helping and seeing all this time is actually Jack as a young kid. Is the big kid with green hair. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> uh, and you're like, wait, so you're telling me that I actually came from the future? And they're like, yep. And now Shadow, who is young Samos, is going to take you through this time portal and you're going to go back in time and you're going to relive all the events that you need to get here today to save everyone. Uh, and Kira freaks out a little bit because she's like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that the time sled that I built based off of the design of the one I saw is actually the one that I sent back. Like, I recreated it perfectly because it's literally the one that I created that I based this on. Don't think about it too hard. And Daxter's <laughs> like, don't think about it too hard. It's just gonna it's just gonna hurt your brain. It's just a paradox and we're just gonna glaze over it. It's fine. <laughs> so they go back into the past. Everyone is hunky dory. Um Daxter blocks Jack again from getting his uh end of game kiss. They go back to the hip hog saloon. 
which Daxter takes over and renames. Uh, what's it? The Naughty Otzel. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and he puts his effigy up on top as this giant Otzel with horns and a trident doing like the death a metal pitch horns. Fork, specifically, it's a pitchfork. Uh, it's more devilish. <laughs> right before the end, who should show up but Sig? And he's like, you guys didn't think that some little metalhead was going to kill me, did you? And, you know, they all laugh it off. But everyone else is thinking like, yes. Yeah. Like, yes, we seriously. did. <laughs> you should have been eaten and torn apart by that centipede. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. I will say I mentioned in the very intro that it is important for game developers. To leave the door open for future installments. With this game, there is not a very direct, like there's no after credit scene like there was in Jack 1 where you had the, you know, portal open with the bright white light and it's like, ooh, I wonder what that's going to be. But at the same time, you still have Jack and Daxter now in this future that they've just, they've just killed the Metalhead leader. There's no longer a leader of the city. So the Metalheads have nothing to do. The city has no leadership. There's... If you think about it, there's obviously things that have not been resolved in this game, but you and so the door is left open kind of implicitly for more things to happen within this world without them explicitly introducing a new plot point right at the very end of the game, which I think is fine. I think that's OK. I don't think you always need to be super heavy handed and overt with your um, implications about about possible as a as a closing note to these very long very in-depth discussions of Jack and Daxter and Jack 2 specifically i will say that we have probably been very negative in general in talking about the game because we've been kind of talking about all the low points of every single mission that we could remember that we dealt with and all these different things and talked about high points it was generally story related or some very, you know, simple praises to fun mechanics. The reason for that is because the fun parts of the game, the good parts of the game, are very consistent. There's not a lot of changes in the game design of this game. There's not a lot of new things introduced. So the fact that at the end of this game, I would say that this is an incredibly fun experience is just a testament to how fun it is to play the game. Because after all the complaining and whining I had and all the deaths in our playthrough and just all the general difficulties, the fact that I like this game enough to play it over and over again, and it's something that so many people wish would come back and have a new installment, just tells you how great the core gameplay of this game is. Uh, core. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I, I would say the same thing is just like the base level. There's only so much you can continue to say about it. But to be honest, every single moment in this game, every single mission has good parts. Um, Well, not, not every, every single, single one, but, but almost every single one. Um, In any case, just the general gameplay and the core mechanics are so much fun that you kind of have to, you know, as you're going through, when we talk about bog standard missions, we're talking about very fun missions that are fun to play every time. And they're not our favorites because they're not the highest highs that we've been discussing. And they're not our least favorites because they're not the lowest lows that we've been discussing. But overall, the game as as a whole, if you just if you play it, every game is going to have its lows and its highs and it's going to have its generalities. And the generalities of this game are so good that like Jordan said, it makes you want to continue. It makes you want to play it again and again and again, because just the general gameplay is that good. It feels satisfying to play. It's smooth. It looks uh, great comparatively. You know, when you look at PS2, it looks quite good. During the PS2 era, it looked fantastic. And even today, it still looks nice because it had a great art direction. That's right. So those are our thoughts on Jack 2. And if you agreed with us, Awesome. I doubt that everybody that anybody agreed with every single thing we said. And if you didn't, that's also awesome. And we love to know you can email us at reflections at game uh, reflections on gaming at gmail.com. You can let us know in the discord on the podcast chat channel. You can let us know on Twitter. 
Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Links to all of those things are going to be down in the description of this podcast, so you can access them if you'd like. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd especially love to interact with you on the Discord and get a conversation going with our little community that we have there. And so we're we... gonna... So with that, we're going to take a couple of weeks off between uh, this review and the review of Jack 3. Uh, so we're going to be getting back into our regular podcasting schedule. Hopefully you guys can look forward to that. Uh, we're going to have some great uh, topics to discuss and some interesting ideas that we want to hopefully discuss with you, not just at you. If you're listening to this on the week of November 2nd through 7th, know that on this Saturday, we will be doing a 24-hour charity Twitch stream from 8 a.m. Saturday, November 7th, Mountain Standard Time, until 8 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, we're just raising money for Extra Life for the Children's Memorial Hospital here in Colorado, and we would love for you to come by. No donation at all required or even at all expected but we'd love for you to come and and just have some fun with us and keep us sane over the 24 hours so we have more people to talk to than just each other or maybe you hope to make us go insane during this 24 hour stream whichever one you want see what you can make happen that's right and also join our uh, follow us on social media we'll be doing a midweek stream this week and follow us on social media or the discord to get notified uh before and exactly when that stream happens with that we hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast and hope that you guys will join us next time bye